Hello and welcome back to Kent and the Steering Team for yet another fun week of fun and frivolity and applesauce. Anyway, on with the show. Um, as always, you're joined by myself, Phil, Drew and Bianca. Unfortunately, there is no Kent this week. He's actually uh, caught in a little bit of pickle. He's, um, he's uh, tasting all the different flavours of deodorant and his tongue's feeling a bit funny. Anyway, on with the show. Team, how are we? We are good. Certainly better than Kent. <laughs> Did, did we just discover that Kent has a huffing problem? But it's not the huffing that's the problem. It's the spraying on his tongue that's the problem. You know that spray that you get? You know you get that, that um, the kid's lolly that's just like this little spray canister and you spray it on your tongue? Yep. It's like sour. I haven't had He's that or that thought about so that for years. Mm. Well, yeah, Kent's doing that with deodorant. Anyway, on with the show again. Um... We've got a bit of a fun one for you. Fun because it's completely depressing, but also um, we look at entertainment news, but also we continue where we we uh, left you last week in some regards. Um, so, yeah, that's to come. That's exciting. But the middle part, highly depressing. The cost of living, it's high. Anyway, I think we should get cracking with some um, entertainment news. What do you reckon, team? I think that's Indeed, a good idea. Indeed, yes. Now, we've got some rather interesting news coming out of Tinseltown this week. Yes, indeed we do. Um, it seems that the Mouse House could be in a little bit of a trouble, or a little bit of a trouble, a little bit of trouble, <laughs> Drew. What do you reckon? Yes, it does. So, um, look, this week it was announced that one Scarlett Johansson is suing the Walt Disney Company, who own Marvel Studios, of course, over breach of contract in relation to the release of Black Widow. Now, Scarlett stars in and executive produces the film, which also marks her ninth time in the role of Natasha Romanoff, having started with 2010's Iron Man 2. You guys both know how I feel about this, because when you stop and think about it, she's been in the role for 11 years now. She is one of the longest serving members of the MCU, I think. She started the movie after Robert started Iron Man. And yep. it really should not have taken them this long for her to get a solo film. And more more importantly, it shouldn't have been after her character, spoiler alert, dies in Endgame for her to get a prequel, a prequel film to her death. Like that that was just stupid. Mm, cool. Um I just can't believe that it's been eleven years. Like has it been that long? Like it feels like only yesterday that I was watching Iron Man Two. Like, right? I, I just can't believe and nine films like again think about it that that's a lot of movies that's a shitload of movies that's the same amount of movies of star wars saga films that there's been like that's a lot of movies um man that's like almost one a year yeah <laughs> anyway um uh sorry so hang on so she's suing disney for a breach of contract what was the what's the breach what did she do right well what did they do <laughs> So, the claim of a breach of contract relates directly to the fact that Disney released the film simultaneously in theatres and on Disney Plus with their premiere access. Now, Johansson is claiming that her contract stipulates that the film would be guaranteed a dedicated sole theatrical release. By breaching her contract and releasing it simultaneously to their streaming platform, Disney's conveniently earning revenue that does not fall into the category of profit sharing. Scarlet's contract 
entitled her to a percentage of box office returns, which is a rather common thing these days, especially for the Marvel stars um, and a lot of the big Mm. ones in there. So those returns were not renegotiated to include a share of profits from streaming, um, likely because her contract had stipulated the guaranteed sole theatrical run, which was all signed off on anyway. So she would have seen no need to include a clause for profit sharing streaming revenue, at least not, you know, during that initial theatrical window, like it, she could have possibly had that negotiated for four months down the line when it hits home media mm. and streaming and all that. Anyway, her legal team is claiming that she stands to lose profits in the range of 50 million US dollars as a result. They're also claiming that it was an intentional move on the part of Disney to both promote the streaming service by adding new and retaining current customers, as well as avoid a significant payout in box office bonuses to her. Uh, okay, so that's there's, there's there's a um there's a lot to process there. First, first of which, um, might I, I I say, um, was that when you said Johansson, I thought we were talking about someone else for a second. I'm sorry, I'm I just got confused for a second and was like, wait, who's Johansson? Scarlet, I get it. Um, hang on. So yeah. So how how does Disney? I don't know what it, it sounds cliche, but how does Disney think they can get away with that? Um, I mean, like, uh, I I get that they're probably the biggest thing on the planet, um, and have like, you know, Murdoch media kind of levels of invulnerability and stuff like that. But surely, um, would this not be kind of would would this not kind of be a thing that you can't really do? Like, it's a little bit politically incorrect of a cause, this. Like, is in to go against someone like Scarlett Johansson, she's a woman, and she's, you know... Like, I think that that's... this. Like, does this make... Like, do, what, I, I don't understand how this is a thing. How, how, would, how is this a thing that's happening to her now? Be, like, I don't understand how Disney's not afraid of getting, like, completely chastised for it. Well, what I find laughable is that Disney's already um, issued a response. <laughs> so a spokesperson from the Walt Disney Company released the following. Is, is it an apology? Nope. No. <laughs> the Walt Disney <laughs> Company have said, there is no merit whatsoever to this filing. The lawsuit is especially sad and distressing in its callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Disney has fully complied with Ms. Johansson's contract, and furthermore, the release of Black Widow on Disney Plus with Premier Access has significantly enhanced her ability to earn additional compensation on top of the $20 million she has received to date. Ouch. Yeah, not an apology. (laughs) So... There's multiple things wrong with their reply to this Um, because, firstly, it kind of contradicts itself. The initial, it kind of contradicts the initial, like, claim. Um, They said that they're not breaching the contract, but then they said that they, she earned, like, additional compensation. So, Mm. clearly they know something. I have it, I I was going to say, I just just find it laughable that Disney basically has the audacity to say, um, what did they say? They said a callous 
disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID nineteen pandemic. If they hang on, if they if they were genuinely concerned about that, why would they be slugging us, the viewers, thirty five dollars on top of the Disney Plus subscription to watch this? Isn't that like a callous disregard for the? Yeah, it's the pot calling the kettle. Horrific black. and prolonged well, global effects. Well, let's be real. Let's not act like Disney hasn't profited from COVID because they launched mm-hmm. their streaming service during the pandemic, um, yep. which was, you know, not intent. They were always planning on launching their subscription service, mm. but it kind of did get a massive boost from the pandemic. Let's let's yeah. not let's not argue about the same with HBO. They did the same thing because suddenly they had nowhere else to premiere their movies, and then they moved it to streaming service because you know they had that available all of a sudden. But but also the fact that they disclosed how much she made the twenty million. Mm. Yeah, you, I I ha- like. There's a certain part of me that's like you know. You've earned twenty million. Like, why aren't you happy with that? But at the same time, I understand that she's earned that. She has been in the MCU mm. for how many years? She kept getting promised a solo movie. The, mm. the promise of a Black Widow solo movie has been gone, like being kicked around since you know two thousand and ten. She hasn't. They only gave it to her again after she died. Mm. And they mostly gave it to her so that she could pass on the torch to the next Black Widow. It wasn't even her movie. It was a movie. I mean, these are all spoilers, so sorry for everyone who hasn't seen it. But, you know. Mm. And then they... So, no, she does deserve that $20 million. She does deserve her profits. And regardless of what you think of Scarlett Johansson and, you know, she said a lot of politically stupid shit over the years. Um. Mm. But, you know, she's she's earned her money and she's earned her keep. So, yes, yeah, she should fucking see that thing. That's not a really classy she's move. Earned, she's earned her place. Yeah, it, it's, not, yeah. it's not a good yeah. move on Disney's part to disclose that money and it's not a good part to, you know, sting her. Hmm. No. Well, see, like, when I think about it, it let's say that movie got, an, got its proper release. Let's say there was no pandemic and it got its actual release. If she only got that much money and the movie made close to a billion dollars like every other Marvel movie would make, mm. then in perspective, she is making peanuts for it. Mm. Absolutely nothing. And she was the executive so, producer on this, much like, yep. um, you know, what's his name? Robert Downey Jr. was executive producer and like stuff like people like that. They, you know, she controlled this movie as much as she could. And so she's not even just getting paid as an actor. She's getting paid Mm. as a producer. She's lost money as an actress and a producer. That's not Mm -hmm. fair either. Like, if that was a dude who was suing, we'd all be like, yeah, good on you for going and earning their keep. But because it's a woman, we're kind of debating about whether or not she earned it or not. Like, that's, I don't know. Oh, it's absolutely ridiculous, but look, it has um, it has sparked a lot of debate and potentially some more action. So there's been no confirmation yet, but the the rumbling is that Emma Stone may also be considering similar action regarding the release of Cruella, and people are um, anxiously waiting to see if Emily Blunt may also jump on board because of the release of Jungle Cruise. 
Wouldn't it be interesting if all three of them ended up taking action for it, for the same thing? I would absolutely love to see that happen. I did have a good giggle, though, when I was reading about this, and I saw a great many people online referring to this incident as karma for Disney for how they dropped Johnny Depp the way they did. Yeah, it kind of seems like they have no regard for um, their collaborators, their actors, their their talent mm. um, anymore. Yeah. Did you guys hear that Gerard Butler is now considering like taking similar action against Millennium Media because of the movie Olympus Has Fallen? Why? Because no one even watched that film. I, did anyone watch that? I, I did once. <laughs> Would you all be surprised yeah. that it's on the list of films that I haven't watched? <laughs> I'm I'm proud of you for no, it. No, to be honest, I did. I, I look. I I, I did. I, yeah, I did watch that movie. Um, yeah, and it's probably one of the actually. It's one of th- it's one of three movies. Sorry, one of four movies that I can recall in my life that I ever wanted to leave the cinema from. <laughs> um, short list that um, 2012 um, Mother. And Alien Covenant. God, Olympus has fallen. I just remembered. I actually have watched it. I haven't watched it fully because, and this is a true story, I don't sleep on planes. I find it very difficult to sleep on planes. <laughs> I can kind of like drift in and out, but I, I can't actually fall asleep. And I watched it on the flight from um, Dubai to Athens hoping that I could just, you know, distract myself while I didn't sleep for another seven hours. I put it on and I conked out. <laughs> well, good, good move. Yes. Good move. I think the best, the best part of that, best part of that entire movie was the fact that uh, there was a, there was a piece of dialogue that went something like this. <clears throat> Let's play a game of fuck off. You go first. Yeah. Quality. Um, yeah, did that room even make like ten million dollars? Like, it's just such a piece of shit. He has filed a ten million dollar fraud claim, so I'm assuming it had to make something more than that. Um, okay, so okay, we got to hear that it grossed a hundred and seventy million worldwide. So he's claiming that the production companies behind it were deducting um, residuals for the film, but they have never actually paid him out. So. I don't think we know what can, you know, go further than this, though. Like, we don't know anything more. But hold on, hold on. So, so the okay, so the movie, so the movie made shitload of money for how crap it is. It blows me away, first of all. And then it had what, like three, se- uh, two sequels or something. Jesus two, Christ. Yeah. <laughs> um, but okay, so so while this is going on, um, didn't. Was it was it Warner Brothers? Mm-hmm. It was Warner Brothers that well because Warner Brothers does HBO Max, so Warner Brothers decided instead to release all of their movies, like the Snyder Cut, for example, and all the other ones. And so I can't remember Space like, Jam and The Conjuring Three and all of that. Okay, okay, well, yeah. yeah, okay. All of these ones released all of these ones on HBO Max, mm. but. Is that not the sa- is there not the same problem then with all of the like I didn't think about this the fact that there's this issue of the payment and everything is this not an issue then for 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 them as well? Well, like the the cost like as in the if if like Scarlett Johansson and 
um, Emma Stone and Emily Blunt and stuff are all going after Disney. Why aren't someone, or why isn't someone like, um, not HBO Max, but Warner Brothers, there's the parent company, I guess, being, like, are they not being chased after too? Like, so tomorrow Suicide Squad comes out and it's going to be released on HBO Max. Yep. That's an ensemble well, cast then- who I'm sure, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that at least- um, well, Margot has um, Margot has, has box that office deal in place. I'm pretty sure yep. she's an executive producer with WB now for a couple she of is. movies. Yeah, so like, she is. wouldn't and James Gunn definitely has those kind of deals. What would happen in those cases? So, first of all, Warner Brothers is smarter somehow. I, I don't know how, but Warner Brothers <laughs> was smarter really? than Disney. Um, but they're the stupidest company when it comes to like making films. I, but I know, apparently the, they're great with contracts, I guess. I know. For the last 10 years, Warner Brothers have been absolutely down the tubes. However, when- and, and they copped a lot of controversy for this when they did this, but this deal with them dropping day and date on HBO Max is a one-year thing. It was only for this year. That was it. And they were pretty clear about that from the outset. But when they made the announcement, they also went and renegotiated deals with the creative teams on all the releases for the year. And in most cases, were either paying out a bonus to each of those creatives to cover it or transferring the profit share from ticket sales to a portion from new and current subscribers who watched the films based on the viewing data. They also have been constantly working with filmmakers throughout the year to find ways in which certain films could still retain their exclusive theatrical window. Key example of that is Dune, which was initially on the day and date release with HBO Max, but after a bit of um, pushback from the creative team, they've managed to successfully negotiate for it to still be a sole theatrical release just at the end of the year. Right. Right. So, okay. So, I see. So, Disney could have done this. And just did not. Well, it seems like that. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be interesting how it all right. plays out. And I mean, hopefully Gerard can get, like Scarlett will say some justice on this. Like, I know it sucks and I know it's a shit movie, but, you know, if he's jibbed, he's jibbed and people don't deserve yeah. to be jibbed mm. working. I, I They get paid a shit ton, but, and, you know, they're not making world peace, but if that's in your contract fucking abide by the contract um yeah hopefully more people in the industry are going to step forward too though with breaches of contract especially like this yeah well we can only hope and of course we'll keep you all updated as we know more on the situation anyway i think now we will head to a commercial say hello to screen to screen the only way to protect your precious screen screen to screen is a protective screen that you can view your screen through keep the integrity of your screen alive for years buy now and receive the free cloth to screen to screen screen cleaning pack screen to screen the only way to protect your screen so As we've spoken about extensively in the last couple of weeks, we are in lockdown in Sydney and still it's it's taken a lot out of people. It's, you know, you'd think that you'd save more money in lockdown, but for a lot of people it has been the opposite because with retail stores and restaurants shut down, 
a lot of people have lost their jobs and their hours and without pay, they're feeling the pinch the most. Yes, indeed. Now, the part that doesn't help the most is that we are in Sydney living in the most expensive city in Australia. Um, Housing in Sydney is 47% more expensive than anything else um, or any other place in Australia. Um, With everything from rent um, to our monthly internet bills working out to be a shitload more expensive, basically. Think of the blueberries. Well, actually, thinking of blueberries, the funny, like, <laughs> interesting fact is that the thing that we're not most expensive in is actually food. Um, we're the second cheapest in Australia, according to stats from the Australian Federal uh, Bureau, I don't know, the Finance Bureau, whatever it is, that says we are the second cheapest city to live in regards to food and we're tied with melbourne and just above adelaide i saw that on the um on the the little chart that you provided us with now why is that it there's no actual confirmed data as to why but what my guess is is that adelaide melbourne and sydney were all hubs for immigration um Mm. so all three have probably more restaurants and food based cultures living there which means there's more demand for a broader range of food and you know that a broader range of food like a a, a larger demand for food means a more supply and more supply means cheaper food so it's basically the case for that's that's basically the case for all of these things that you know dictate the cost of living so we have a poorer transport system and road systems than any other city because we aren't a planned city. And you can see that from everything in our roadmaps to the way that we've sprawled out. Um, so that's why I guess cost, that's why it costs more because to live in areas where you don't need to use as much transportation to get to like work or, you know, um, just go out and have a general social life. Um, those areas are more expensive to live in than the surrounding suburbs and the outer suburbs. So we again we have a denser population and because of shitty transport system and access to the CBD where we all work, there are only a few locations across the city what? we want to live in. Therefore, transport's more expensive. Therefore, housing is more expensive. Therefore, roads are more expensive, etc. What what I find what I find um, it, you know because because I it like look thinking of it logically like that makes total sense that for the current the the public transport corridors so anywhere along railway lines or key railway lines. Um, key bus routes, key tram lines, they would be more expensive because, hey, there's one less kind of um, transfer that you have to make in terms of trying to get to the city or work or wherever it is that you're trying to go. Um, so that logically makes a lot of sense. But then you look at the the inverse of that and, you know, the eastern suburbs where there's no, where there's only a railway line to Bondi Junction besides that, there's none. Um, there's no tram lines there. There's only bus lines. Um and even the northern beaches and stuff where there's no train lines mm. at all, really. Um, it's it's interesting that those places are more expensive because of the lack of public transport. It's almost because of the lack of transport, uh, public transport, it means it's harder for people to get there, which literally means it's more secluded and, and, and kept to the locals only. So um, I totally understand well, it almost... It- you got to think about those places in a different perspective as well. Yeah, abs- absolutely. The, the absolutely. Manly, the manly area that's a lot, like, very, very expensive and all that kind of stuff, 
that was owned by rich white people. Well, just mm. white people generally, um, not migrants and not immigrants. Um, they didn't want to mix with the immigrants. Places like uh, Newtown and Stanmore, where I grew up, they mm. were immigrant hubs. Um, same with Marrickville and Tempe, where you are, Phil, and uh, Earlwood and stuff like that. People from Manly and Bondi and what have you, they didn't want to move. Sorry, people from Manly. Bondi is a different story. People from Manly didn't want to move here because they didn't want to mix with immigrants. One of my favorite scenes in the TV series Puberty Blues is the main family. I forget their name. The illogicalness of it? Well, (laughs) yeah. But but, But the main family, they realize that they're going broke and that they have to maybe move from the, you know, Manly Spitbridge area kind of thing. And they're like, well, maybe we can go move to the inner west where the houses are cheaper. And they go, why would we? And the father's like, but that's where all the wogs are. Um, and he just doesn't want to live with wogs. And that was oh. the mentality back then. So mm. those and those places were always built massively. Our places down here were built tiny because, you know, it was for poorer people. That's why we have smaller land spaces in the inner west than what they do out in Manly and then in Bondi because of the lack of transportation that it's always had Mm. that's always been a secluded spot but it's always had great views so the only people who could live there originally were people who it was kind of more like a town vibe but there was people who could afford to you know have that lack of transport or have that lack of work and they only lived within that community. And then because everyone wanted the views, that's when it became popular and they had these massive plots of lands. But I don't think they have many like massive plots of lands anymore. So, yeah, yeah you, you pay for Bondi, yeah. Bondi for the culture of living in Bondi. But yes. I, I, I do think you're also spot on with the, the cost of why food is actually not so expensive in Sydney comparatively. Mm. I think it's a matter of ease of being able to get the produce here sydney and melbourne are you know they're on the eastern seaboard so anything that's being imported it's absolutely the key areas to bring it into but also um it's got all the infrastructure in place for transportation of of um you know all the freight infrastructure and everything to to here anyway um but then also yeah it's the idea that there's so many people here that the cost would come down because it's more competitive um but what's what then I guess we're going to get to and, and continue discussing and, and, and leading into um, the inverse on, on that in terms of things like internet and everything. Like, how the hell can that be so much more expensive in somewhere like Sydney? Again, you you touched on that with transport again, the fact that Sydney's got such a terrible infrastructure in place and therefore the costs are much higher um, associated living somewhere near the rail and everything. Um I guess the same sort of thing happens then with the fact that we've got such a shitty kind of network for um, internet and everything. Um, it, it's harder to update. It's therefore the cost of it is more taxing. There's more people yeah, on the it's, network. It's, main, it's maintenance is more. Well, yeah. I, I kind of had to think about that part because we, we, I mean, I talk a bit about the internet later, but hmm. the internet, you got to think of the fact that think about we all have optus plans like i mean i don't think we're all on optus but like across the optus plans across australia are nationalized like we don't pay a different price in sydney than we do in melbourne for internet technically because Mm. 
Optus has one national plan. They don't have a New South Wales plan. We're not like America where all their plans are by state. We have national plans. Hmm. However, what we do pay for in Sydney, what we do pay for in Optus plans is the amount of speed we get. Yeah. And because in Sydney, we know how shitty our speeds are compared to other cities, we pay for access to more. So that it's sort of like, because we have the shitty infrastructure, we know we'll get the shitty uh, uh, speed if we just buy the minimum package. We will get below minimum. So we buy the 100 meg package or the 300 meg package which is more expensive because we know that the minimum will be higher. Does this make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, of course. So, yeah. But look, so the fact is the cost of living has internet like thing. Cost of living has risen extensively, even in the last 10 years. So according to data released by the federal government between 2009 and 2019, mm. the cost of living went up by 109, by 100%, 100. 100.9%. Blah, blah. Um, Medical services went up by 78%, gas 75, transport 55, and even in regards to like education and childcare, childcare went up by 75%, high school fees went up by 66%, and preschool and primary school fees went up by 55%. Why couldn't I have been an adult in 2009? Jesus, I had to wait till I was bloody 2010, 2011. Bullshit. I know, we should have had like everyone in our school should have had teen pregnancies. We could have all afforded Mm. children back then. Um, But to make matters worse, what was necessary to living in middle-class lifestyle with a work-life balance has actually changed. So if you think about the 70s, you didn't bring home with you, home, you didn't bring work home with you because there wasn't any way to bring home work home. Now we're all working from home currently because of of COVID, but the reason why we can do it is because internet is a necessity now. It's not no longer optional. Like yep. even back in the 90s and early 2000s, I knew people yep. in the early 2000s who didn't have internet at home. Yep. We all um, do. Yeah. So, but like with all of these things, with the fact that we need to have internet, with the fact that, you know, even our programs are subscription-based and stuff like that, the cost of living is much higher, but the national minimum wage actually hasn't grown that much comparatively. So in 2009, the national minimum wage was $24,986 per annum. And in 2019, it was $32,078 per annum. I think now it's actually $35,000 per annum or something around that. Don't quote me. But it's, it seem, that seems like a lot of money. Like it seems like a lot of money because it's a massive 10. It, it, it sounds like a 10K jump, but it's actually mm. not. It's only 8K or something. Um, and even then, $8,000 to compensate for all of those rises, 100% in electricity, 75% in gas, 55% in transport. It doesn't compensate enough for the rises across the thing, mm. uh, across the board. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's the thing that we need to consider is the cost of living is ri- rising higher than the, the cost of, you know, yeah. Than the wage. Exactly. So. I suppose when I think about it, um, <laughs> like, 
in regards to the internet, you know, we're, we're paying for internet and obviously, you know, we've, we're all just in the throes of doing our tax returns at the moment and they're Are really, we? well, we should be. I already um, got mine back. I need to do it. I need to do it. <laughs> I'm, oh, very nice. I'm pending, uh, waiting for my payment to arrive. So it looks like we're each in the three stages. Um, there was a whole dedicated section that was really um, emphasizing your working from home expenses. And I, I wondered about it. I was like, you know what? Like, if I'm at work, I'm obviously not paying for the internet at work. But if I'm working from home and I'm paying my internet bill and I'm getting a subsidy for it, it's not the government paying my entire internet bill for my work. Even if I do it by the percentage of hours correctly as as they suggest i'm still claiming back a percentage so it is still costing me more to work from home in that regard oh yeah like you don't get all your money back when you work from home either mm. like that's that's a myth you get yeah. a proportion of it back mm. exactly so like and, and it's fine like i i claim um all my programs like microsoft word uh, Photoshop, uh, Grammarly I use as well. Um, my desk chair, my office space, my internet. I claim as much of it back as I can. But even then, you're still not going to get all of it back. And you are paying for the privilege of working from home. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But the fact that everyone kind of does still work from home, like... If you have any sort of high stress job, there is hours that you do at home that you don't get paid for. You just have to do to get your job done. Hmm. And that's becoming more and more of a thing now as, you know, work-life balance tips in different scales. And I think the fact that, you know, people are getting paid less to do more, I've like across the board in most jobs. So you to, to kind of balance it out it doesn't really work and the cost of living keeps rising so and you're doing work for free basically so it, it not it, the, the scales have to tip somewhere yeah yeah absolutely i mean i i again i i just i'm just i'm just like kind of baffled by um I, I, going back to the, those figures some of those figures in there that 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 figure that the cost of electricity has gone up a hundred point nine percent in ten years, or went up in ten years. Like that, just yep. totally and it, staggers and we me. We haven't we haven't done anything to increase the infrastructure around electricity. We like I think there's been some updates, but it's not like we've moved to solar panel like electricity no, as a nation. No, it, it, you know, you know what the only thing that that's happened in that time is. They sold the power, like in the state of New South Wales, we sold the power company. That yep. that's that's literally, and that was to pay for other infrastructure that they that were told we're going to sell this infrastructure so that way we can build this infrastructure. Only for them to sell that infrastructure and therefore make it not usable for anyone in the city. I'm talking about West Connects. Well, um, well, that's true. I actually haven't even factored in the price of West Connects. So it's not just the price of petrol and your car and your insurance you now also have to pay these tolls that we were told that we weren't going to have to pay you're right we paid eight dollars each way minimum for yeah, roads that were gonna, already paid for 
That's going to increase, I think. Isn't it going to increase up to $30 or something eventually? It will go up about 20% a year every year for the next 40, uh, next 20 years, sorry. Um, Where oh, no, sorry, next, next 40 years. It'll end up costing somewhere in around $40 one way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not reasonable. That's not ethical. No, That's it's not, not reasonable. A- and at the all. fact that you, I, I completely forgot that we sold our electricity grid so that yeah. we could pay for the Le- West Connect so that we could get it for free. Our Only electricity has gone up, and our transport's now gone up. Correct. So, um, look, I, look. The question comes down: How the hell do we manage it all? Like, how how would we afford this? How do we manage it? I think there needs to be, I, I, I think that um, it's really interesting that you mentioned the fact that we got our tax time shit back, Drew, because I yeah. was, because I did my taxes and because I was like, uh, need to save some money. I was actually looking through my finances to do, see if I can do this thing called the hundred day challenge, which is basically a thing where you get a hundred envelopes and on each envelope you write. Um, you can either do a price between one and a hundred, or you can do a price between two and 200 only using like even numbers. And you have, you write it across a hundred envelopes and you shuffle the envelopes and every day you pick out an envelope and you put whatever the money that it says in that envelope. So if it says $42, you put $42 in. If you say a hundred dollars, you put a hundred dollars in. Um, and the aim is at the end of it, you'll actually save up $10,100 if you do it all correctly. Um, so I was setting that up and I was trying to see if it was doable. And to do that, I had to create like a Excel spreadsheet with all my money. I figured out that I will spend like $112 a month just on my subscription programs. Um, wow. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I think that we need to look at things that we pay like in subscriptions because script subscriptions cost a lot so that it was 112 dollars just for my programs then it was another like 50 bucks just for like music and movies and television shows and shit like that and like it, it adds up in the end and i think i think subscription services have weirdly become this necessity in the last year or two mm which has added to our costs of living. Mm. Um, but I also think that we need to like look at the government shit and figure out how to deal with that. Like, I think the government needs to step up too. So personally, there's stuff that we can do, like cut out things that we don't need as necessities, but we shouldn't have to because the government needs to also look at that. I don't know. Well, it's a twofold thing. Well, well, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, let, if, if, if some of us just took the government's job, uh, sorry, government's job, the government's <laughs> advice and just got a better job, um, <laughs> that would solve some of it. Um, also, we if we took the government's... Jobs. No, because they need their, their jobs. No, they need their jobs because they, they're the only ones that know how to do nothing um, and get a lot of money for it, which isn't true. I think I could do a good job of it. But um, take the government's advice, um, get a better job, or um, simply depend on your parents, um, which we've discussed about on the show before. Um, yeah, I think that's some of the advice that the government's given us. Um, or just if you have a go, you'll get a go, I think is an important one as well. Yeah, um, Yeah. look, I, 
I don't know what the answer is. Um, my mum's suggestion is that, uh, you know, we just move out of Sydney, for example, to somewhere else. But then the problem is that you'll have to commute back to Sydney to visit people that you um, want to see. I've, I've lived that scenario. And while it's nice, it's difficult. I think if we yeah. all agreed, like, with all your family and friends, let's all move to, like, I don't know, Hunter Valley or Orange. Well, no, well, like that's Orange a, would be cheaper. But that, that's... That's what my suggestion was, but my argument mm. was that, okay, we're going to pack up 13,000 people and move out there, and, and the rebuttal was, hang on, why is it like 13,000 people? And I said, well, it's because I have friends and family that I want to come with me, so yeah. I move out there with all of my friends and family. They then have friends and family that they want to come with them, so then they pack up their friends and family and move out there. Their friends and family then have friends and family and their friends and family. It's just a, a vacuum of people and it reaches a rather large number of people that you've got to try and move out there and or else someone's sacrificing something or sacrificing someone um, and it and when doesn't you, become worth it for them. Well, when you think about it, we're connected by, what, seven or less people in everyone. So that cluster is going to swarm very quickly. Exactly. So, uh, look, I, I, I don't know. I mean, look... You, <laughs> One thing that we didn't used to have to factor in back in the old days, um, <laughs> no one had a smart device or a smartphone. They cost a shitload of money. Like, I think about that now and go, well, hang on. How on earth? Like, you see kids walking around with, like, iPhones and everything like that or an Android or something, and it's just like, hang on. We, as kids, we didn't have those. And I'm not saying, like, oh, back in my day, we didn't have those. I'm saying Hold back on. in I my day. Hold on. I had a $20 Nokia. Yeah. I didn't have something <laughs> that costs $1,000 minimum. That's just not an expense that I had to factor in. And now it's no. something that has to factor in. I wasn't on a plan. I was on prepaid. I had $30 that would last me like two months, to be honest, because I barely used a, a phone. I'm going to talk about high school here because I didn't have a phone, an iPhone till after high school because I didn't have a need for it. Um, I, I just, it just, these expenses and everything, think things are more unnecessarily expensive now because but it's because there's also this hidden cost which is connectivity um you, you know if you're not connected to the internet you're behind if you're not connected to social circles you're behind and yes the argument could be made no we're just no no but you know what if they want to be your friend they'll, they'll come to you that doesn't work in the 21st century unfortunately that's not how and it that's goes committing yourself to isolation and so much of the world is online now and behind a screen. And yes, I agree that is more depressing and that actually does lead to depression and isolation from human connection. Absolutely, I get it. But it yeah. doesn't matter. That's unfortunately the way in our lifetime alone it has shifted. It is that way now. And I recognize that. I don't like it, but I recognize it. So I'm not going to... And I'm guilty of it too. So I get it. So those costs associated with that and yes the way that now television is even going to, to streaming services um, I get it that there are all these costs which we didn't used to have to factor in that now we have to factor in um, and and with those streaming services comes the need for higher speed internet or better um, internet so again there's that cost 
And then when you're watching that, those things on the internet, you need to have the snacks there. So there you go. There's a need for snacks. Thankfully, those are the things that in our Sydney situation, we're in a better situation of. Um, housing costs, <laughs> though, you need to have some... Yes, I thought I'd make a joke there. <laughs> um, housing costs in Sydney are extortionate. Um, it It is... Well, in Australia alone, it's terrifying. Again, having lived in the UK for a year now and seeing the cost of living over there and everything, it is a lot more cost effective over there um, in a lot of ways. Mind you, that it is a lot more... Things are cheaper in some ways, more expensive in others, but at the same time, the wage that you're paid over there, Australia is further ahead for wage, the amount of money that you make here it feels like compared to the uk but um it doesn't mean that you're um but yeah, but, but again out, the, but the essentials feel like they're cheaper over there than they are here other things luxuries seem more expensive there than they are here but our dollar is becoming worthless like, like we're, we're heading the way of um the rupee like it, it's becoming a meaningless um meaningless exercise in escalating the currency whereas at least the not, pound no, not, is not relatively stable to its contrast i i mean not necessarily the, australian the dollar has always been worth about half a pound and has always been worth about you know three quarters of um a usd us dollar or other way three quarters of a us dollar buys a, a dollar aussie yes. dollar um I mean, well, look, if you consider something like the Norwegian krona, for example, that's like the good, the easiest way to work that out is five or six krona per dollar. And you consider that Norwegians are probably per capita the most, the most wealthy people on the planet. Um, hmm. And their, their coin is, is worth fuck all compared to other things, but the amount of it that they have is worth, um, you know, significant amounts. They just don't have cash. They don't have to write such ridiculous numbers on, on coins. Um or cash so that works in their favor but yeah like uh, it but again sarah's still blown away by the the amount of money that someone doing something like what i do makes compared to what you'd make in the equivalent role in the uk like it is still a good wage we have we have a lot to thank our labor unions for that kind of stuff like australia was one of is one of the countries where unions have a lot of more power than they do in other parts of the world that's kind of slowed down with funnily enough with the rise of murdoch media um they don't have as much power as they do used to but it's because people are stupid and think unions are bad when in reality they're the things that yes they look too much unionization is a bad thing the right amount is perfect and that's exactly what we had for a long time yeah we did have that for a long time We've now lost that a lot of that because we also don't manufacture in Australia anymore. And that's probably a lot to do with why our costs are going up. Because when mm. we manufactured, we had we made a lot of things in here. And you got to remember, most of Australia's costs come in freight. We pay a lot more than a lot of other countries because... We're so far of, away. Yeah, yep. we're so far away. Freight is a lot cheaper than it used to be, but it's still more expensive than. But so is time, you know, because it takes a long time to get here as well. Time costs. Mm. So there's there's factors of that in it, and but you know when we lost unions, we lost manufacturing to other countries, and it all just became a shit show. But yeah, it's because of unions that we do have a very good minimum wage. Um, I'm not saying that we don't, but it also 
adds to the reason why we have such a high cost of living. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, blueberries. <laughs> let's go to let's go to what the quote. And now it's time for what the quote. And of course, last week's quote was what drew. Don't criticize what you can't understand. And that, of course, is Bob Dylan. The times they are a change. Yes, indeed, it was. Um, Bianca, can you please give me what this week's quote is? If life were predictable, it would cease to be life and be without flavour. Now, of course, if you do know where that quote is from, please reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever you've got. Anyway, on with the show. Okay, and you are back on Kent and the steering team, of course, because you never left us. Um, (laughs) What we're going to do now, though, is... Unless you did, in which... Fuck you. Yeah, in which case, that was really well-timed, unless you timed it on purpose to stop at that point and come back at this point. Anyway. um, Where we left you last week when discussing shows that went on for far too long, shows that should have been cancelled, things that just really, really went well beyond their use-by date, basically. Um, Yep. We spoke about three shows. We spoke about The Walking Dead. We spoke about um, Lost. And uh, we spoke about Dexter. Um, obviously, the tie-in last week was that Dexter was, um, what is, coming back to our screens. This week, we don't have that. All we have to tell you is that, hey, we've got things to talk about again that we spoke about last week. So, that's yes. the connection. Very clever. Um what we thought we'd lead with, though, this week is a show that's very near and dear to my heart. A show that is hmm. probably near and dear somewhere to Drew's heart, maybe. It is. At oh, least it is. his lung. Okay, it is. Good. Um, <laughs> a show that is becoming near and dear to Bianca's heart because she um, messaged us during the week specifically about this show, which is brilliant. Oh, yes. Um, and I'm trying to remember what clip you sent us, which one it was. Where are you up to, Bianca? I remember the clip. So, I... I- I sent you the clip where they're all trying to make Stanley notice what they're doing. That's right. That's right. Which is a hilarious. Like when I, that was the first episode I jumped back in on and I was crying from <sighs> just because of the random shit. Kevin. I love, I love that. I, there's two parts of that that I absolutely love. One of them is the fact that, um, uh, thing is shirtless at one stage, I think. Yep. Andy. Andy. Andy's shirtless. shirtless. And then, um, oh, what's his name? Kevin. What's Steve Carell's character's name? Michael. I've completely Michael. forgotten. Michael Scott is wearing teeth <laughs> as um, Stanley's trying to walk into the office. And then later you see that he's tried again with the teeth, but now he's also got like a cat puppet in his hand. <laughs> and it's just the ridiculousness of like, he's like, everyone's trying, like um, Dwight's brought in a pony. Um <laughs> things wearing a moustache like they're all like doing these crazy things but no michael scott has teeth <laughs> and the puppet so he's like this will work this time because there's the puppet as well I, I, that I, that part just killed me but i love that the thing that that gets stanley to to be like hold on a second is the clock being slow yep. by five minutes <laughs> that's the thing yes. that he's like hold on a second hold on a second and they all look up and they're like that clock is slow five minutes and then they're still going <laughs> they hasn't noticed oh. anything else I, you know that season, is a brilliant scene. Do you know what season that is? I'm trying to remember. Is that season seven? It's, it's season it's seven. seven. So I've actually gone past that. I'm not up to that anymore. I'm up to the episode 
I, I watched half of it yesterday where Will Ferrell is his first episode. Oh, God. You're up okay. to D'Angelo. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. What do you know about the ending of The Office? I'm not gonna, we're not going to give spoilers at all, so don't worry. And um, audience, but also Bianca. Um, not, yep. not planning on that, doing that. I don't know anything about season eight mm-hmm. or season nine, except for the fact... I, I know what happens in the last episode because I have this weird thing of... If series go for really long and then they have a finale episode, I'll sometimes just watch it for no reason, even if I've never watched another episode. <laughs> um, and yeah, I did that with The Office. But I, I watched that finale episode when the finale happened and I have never watched it since. So I watched it without context and I don't really remember it. That's probably so, good. Drew? Yeah. You've seen the ending? I've watched the whole show through at least twice now. Yeah, okay, brilliant. Good. Um, yeah. Well, I look... <clears throat> I'm not a big fan. I, I sorry. I'm a massive fan of the U.S. Office. Um, mm. I have rewatched it countless times, and I just cannot get into the last two seasons. Um, obviously, we know that Michael leaves Bianca. Yes. Sorry, he's announced that. That's yep. why. Yeah. So we there. know that he's going. Um, and obviously, a character like that leaving fills a massive void. What what makes this show difficult is that it's trying to be a docu. It's like a mockumentary, so it's trying to be like a pretend real documentary. Um, yeah, and and so all these people are supposed to be real people, um, weird, quirky, strange people, but real people. Everyone's got their their quirks. Against Stanley's Stanley, um, Creed <laughs> is Creed. Uh, Michael's an idiot, Creed but he's is also a, a brilliant salesperson. A creed is just such a strange person. Um, Dwight is such an unusual sort of person. Like, again, uh, everyone is an odd person, but brilliant at the same time. And the mm. show, a lot of people thought for a long time, was kind of from either Ryan or um, Jim's perspective. So that's why they, at first, seem like the most absolutely normal kind of down-the-line sort of person. And the world around them is just kind of bizarre. Um, all the people Wait, around the Ryan. No, so that's that's what the idea was for the first couple of seasons because you know how he's at the temp at the start and it's just like, oh, yeah, what it, the hell are all any of these that, people doing? That tracks in the first season. It drops off after that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I see. Exactly. So that that idea falls away. Um, well, probably falls away by the third season. Um, mm. You know, Mike uh, D- Ryan starts to become a little bit more kind of unhinged, I guess. Um, so I, I think he's a bit of a douche in the first season, even if it is from his perspective, because he does shit that just like he's just, just not interested in every- anything. Yeah, not yeah. interested mm. in anyone. But yeah, yeah, no, that's interesting. I didn't know it might have been from Ryan's perspective. Yeah, so so that's that's what people thought initially, and then obviously that does people drop off that idea when you see Ryan with his peroxide hair and everything like that so they just go no it's not um but but so for a show that's meant to be from potentially jim's perspective and that kind of rings true all the way through um but the point being that these people are meant to be real people um and to see a show do something what makes this show feel less like it's potentially a documentary i'm not an idiot i know it's a it's a fake show but what makes it feel very much like it is a sitcom and it is absolutely not believable is the way they write it in the last two seasons to fill in the void of the loss of Michael. Mm. Um, that that makes it hard to watch for me and makes me really not enjoy it. doesn't mean that there's not 
good moments or something. Um, no, but it's lost but its anchor. It's lost its anchor, but it's lost its... its. Michael's like a child, you know. Um, they even kind of use that or play with that a lot throughout the show. And they, there's one episode, which is... I think it's Pretzel Day, where he ends up being really pathetic and they need him to do work on that day. And he just does, do, he does nothing. <laughs> and then finally, he has a pretzel and he ends up being hyped up on sugar. Gets all his work done really quickly and then he has a nap kind of thing. Like, he's a, he's a child. Um, and I so, absolutely love when... The other part where, like, you can tell he's a child is whenever Pam says stuff to him to, like, make sure he understands. But one of them <laughs> being when uh, Cece is being christened and he thinks he's the godfather. I need you to <laughs> say, Michael, keeps, I need you to say it. I need you to say it. I need you to say it. And then he goes, I'm not the godfather. No, without the accent, I need you to say it. And he's just like, I'm not the godfather. And like, you just see this childish yeah. disappointment in his face. Like, it's the same thing with, kinda... it's the same thing with answering the phone. The whole, like, um, he'll be like, um, okay, Michael, it's Jan. And he patches it, pretends to patches it through. And then, um, Michael goes, uh, Jan, Jan, how you going, Jan? And then you hear Pam go, it's still me. Okay. Patching him through now. And then the second time he's like, hi, Jan, how you going? Yep. <laughs> he's just back in the As the buffer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like he'll just sacrifice the st- <laughs> stupid one, um, yeah. So I look again, th- th- but that's the point: is that Michael's the idiot one. Michael is a brilliant salesperson, though we know that we've seen him. I was just thinking of the episode in season one, I think, where they go to Chili's um, mm. with the client and they they make a brilliant sale because Michael's an absolute bomb. Like he's brilliant. Yeah. Um, but the point being is he's an idiot. He can sell though, and so I I just. I don't like the fact that the characters, it feels like they change um, in the later seasons in that they try to fill in the void and the writing gets lazy. Yeah. Um, so I, I just find it really sad that this show went on too long, even sadder in these later years since the show's, you know, left our screens and learning that it's it sounds like for all intents and purposes, Steve Carell was happy to keep going, but then they didn't offer, they didn't ever approach him about renewing his contract. Really? Yeah. Serious? That's the part that probably hurt. Yeah. Apparently they didn't approach him about... Ugh. Like, he, the, the manager... Sound, Steve's manager kind of sounded them out being like, all right, so that's end of the contract. What do you reckon, guys? And then they never got back. And that's it. So then Bloody he just said, hell. okay, well, I'm leaving. Um, and then the last two seasons what, really were what they sad. were. It is really sad because then the show because was what it was. He and the creator of the US office, Greg Daniels, they, they're now making Space Force on Netflix. So it's Correct. not like he had any kind of falling out with them. No, it sounds like it's more an NBC thing. Yeah. Um, but again, and, and look, it just... The, the way the show went was really sad to me. Um, I can't think of a single character that kind of rung... rung stayed true to what they were um all the way they had been and i felt that was really weak and i think that's such a bad thing for a show that is so loved to do that like you even see it on all the pages like all the 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 fan pages of the office still on facebook and everything people kind of smash the last two seasons go oh here's a gem i'm not saying there weren't gems or hidden gems i'm just saying that the show as a whole became so much weaker and, and hollower um so yeah, I thought it was a bit of a shame. It felt in many ways like the 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 um, the love was no longer in it for a lot of people. I think that's not true, but it feels like that. I, g- I get what you mean. Yeah. And we'll we'll go a little more in depth about that after Bianca finishes 
the show. We'll we'll have a another talk about it, and then we mm. can go into all the spoilery. The Office, a retrospective. Yes, mm. which would be lovely to do. I've yeah. already done a rewatch of it this year. So Again, I've done. Oh, definitely. I, I'll I'll be finished soon. Again, I've just got the last two seasons to go. After, I think I've got like three more episodes left of this season, and then yeah, yeah, the last two seasons. But um. Oh, no, wait. I've got three more episodes until Michael leaves, and then there's a couple of episodes after that. And then season seven, eight, or season eight and nine. Yep. Mm-hmm. Is it eight and nine? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But, um, yes. I... When, I, when I finish, we can maybe do an episode about that. Mm. Yeah, exactly. But uh, let's move on, though, to The Simpsons. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, 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 bum. Yep. Yeah. Now, yeah. God, this one's tricky. I, I, we we all have a stance on this. Um, I believe general consensus, and certainly my feeling on it, is that the show should have died after season eleven. Um, mm-hmm. But the frustrating thing is that even even after that, there are the odd um, the odd gems in there, as you said. Even with season eight and nine of The Office, there there are you know that rare handful of episodes that are like oh that that was good that was quite mm. nice but uh, really the the show has gone two-thirds longer than it should um i don't know like they've just renewed for another couple of seasons they're, they're, <sighs> they are, are they doing it they are now the longest running sitcom on television um running into but at what, what cost 30 <laughs> season 32 and 33 i think or something it's just been renewed and at yeah, what at, at what cost? It it starts to deteriorate the quality. Mm-hmm. There is this really great um, YouTube thing I've watched uh, with our mate Carmen. She showed it to me. Yeah, that explains why the quality of Simpsons deteriorated. Bianca, Bianca, it- Bianca. I'll pause there. Are you talking about the fall of Simpsons? How it happened? That brilliant half yes. hour, that half yes, hour long, yeah, the half hour long um, um, thing that, was as you say, you who showed it to me. Uh, no, Carmen? I think Carmen linked it to me. You watched it with Carmen. I she linked it to me. Um, I'll let you continue on with with the, the description of it, but I want to make a point on that video. In fact, so you go on, tell us about it. So, so there's a great little thing. So, other than how I'm pretty sure that's the one that explains to you how Simpsons wrote a joke. That's exactly Ow. the point I was going to make. Yeah, that that. Yeah. And I, I've got it on that point in the video. Um, right now it's nine minutes into this half hour long video, and 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 what's brilliant about it is that, um, they talk about the layers of the joke. So they're using the example of um, uh, when when Bart sells his soul, and he. It's such a simple scene. It's ridiculous. It doesn't have any kind of relation to the rest of the episode whatsoever. It doesn't even really have dialogue. No. So basically, it's Bart on his bike. He pulls over on his bike, um, looks at a map, a street cleaner comes along, runs over his bike, like it gets destroyed. The guy's like laughing maniacally. Bart sees the bike pop out the other side all sparkly and clean, hops on the bike. The bike, he starts to ride it. The bike then falls apart. The street cleaner then starts laughing maniacally again, rides up onto the footpath, and then his street cleaner falls down a set of stairs down into the subway. That's the joke. That is so pointless and in no context at all is ridiculous. But there were so many layers to that joke as to its randomness being one of them. The fact that the street cleaner crosses his bike for no reason at all. 
the fact the bike pops out the other side and it's brand new and sparkling and clean the fact that he gets on the bike and then the bike falls apart mm. the fact that the street cleaner guy starts laughing maniacally then the fact that he goes on the footpath and then the fact that he falls down at some stairs to, to the subway is ridiculous it's all just so pointless but brilliant and there's so many and elements to that in less than five seconds yeah like five ten seconds like it's it's so quick and it's the thing there's that fact that like there's these little moments and then i i watched a i watched one of the f- earliest seasons recently oh the tamako episode mm. yeah now i i forget that the tamako episode is also the glove slap episode and you forget that because it starts off that episode starts off with Homer, Marge, Bart, and Lisa going to the movies to watch a Zorro-like film. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they parody Zorro in the first couple of seconds. They show a jewel with a glove. Then Homer, because Homer's an idiot, becomes obsessed with this, goes and slaps one person, decides that, you know, he's now a jeweler goes and slaps a whole bunch of people and there's like a whole bunch of stupid little jokes within that little thing where they change the lyrics to love shack to glove slap (laughs) and they do like a little montage and then he goes to goes then he goes and slaps the wrong person he slaps the guy who is a jeweler yep and will you know guns drawn at dawn um he thinks that he's not serious, but then this guy comes and camps out on their house. So then they have to escape the city and then they go live on the old Simpson farm, um, which you kind of just find out that is discovered and they grow tobacco. And then you see the story of the tobacco, you see everyone get addicted. Then it all comes back in the end to the fact that he has to go like, so that the, the, they have these animals, they do, the animals get addicted, the animals rip apart the farm, the tobacco people steal the, because the tobacco people are like, you know, there's just all these mm. hundreds and fifty jokes. I'm trying to remember all of them because uh, so much happens in that episode mm. and it's just bam, bam, one after another. Um, and to the end where like the ending is that Homer gets shot in a duel and you think about everything that happens in that episode and how quickly and like thing it happens. And then you watch kind of like the modern episodes where maybe two or three things are happening and they all happen in like that whole, you know, that family guy, like some mm. things are happening in flashbacks and some things are mm. happening in like little side things. Like yep. it's not linear anymore. There's no well, thing you have to, they have to rely now more on um, really doing exposition more than just yeah. showing a story you've yeah. you've hit the nail on the head there though um and that is the family guy of it all and family guy had this wonderful knack for bringing something fresh by doing the cutaways and for whatever reason at some point in the last 10 15 years of the simpsons they decided that cutaways were acceptable for them too and nicked the format now that's all well and good but the format doesn't necessarily work on a different show in a different setting it it's also though that that the simpsons was always the kingpin and it was it was family guy reaching for the simpsons and at some point the simpsons started chasing its own tail and going hang on 
yeah let's look at family guy and it's like no 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 you were above family guy like as much as i like both shows simpsons was so far and away better than than family guy um part two of the the so that 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 joke i was referencing and explaining before that had so many Mm. layers went for 10 seconds um the flip side to one of the jokes in the later seasons the joke which went for the same amount of time this was the joke this is the example of a joke in the later seasons from this video that they give um homer is in the airport line with the family um or in the airport with the family um and there's a loudspeaker announcement that says boarding is commenced for women children and fat men homer replies that's me and that's the end of the joke the difference is that for the joke that went for the same amount of time the joke was homer is fat and then homer admits it and that's it that's that's the joke like the i don't know what happened with the simpsons where the writing became so lazy that there's no depth to it at all. And that's such a sad thing. Oh, I know exactly what happened. All the key writers left the show. And there's now a bunch of Saturday Night Live, Last Comic Standing writers there that can't write for shit because they've never written anything funny in their entire life. Um, but so, you can't... But that's the problem. you also have to think... if So, you're like, Saturday Night Live, a lot of the writers who were in The Simpsons back in the day they mm. all came out of saturday night live so you can't say it's saturday night live look at the quality of saturday night lives yeah that, that's over that's the last but that's what I, that's what i mean it's like the show has dropped in terms of its quality it's had less but, and less good episodes um you but know humor's changed what you can and can't show there's a couple of things so as well simpson like if that same video that you're talking about phil they also talk about how Simpsons was counterculture Mm. Um, because, you know, they were a shitty middle-class family who didn't have much, like their house was kind of shitty when you, like they were middle-class, they didn't have, um, they weren't super rich or thing. It kind of was that Roseanne kind of audience. Mm. Um, Then they, there was something else that that video talks about, how it's, they didn't talk about things that most sitcoms talked about. They did Because they could stupid. get away with it. Yeah, because they could get away with it. They could get away with making fun of, you know, celebrities and get away with making fun of, um, you know, people with a lot of money. But now they kind... If you think about then and you think about now, people who own houses at Homer Simpson's age have to be rich. It's a different culture no, now. But, like, but the Simpsons touches on that. They that that Grimes that Frank Grimes episode, where Homer talks about all the things that he's done. He's gone to space. Um, he goes, uh, he, wait. The guy goes, you've been to space? Yes. Have you been? Like, no. Of course he hasn't been to fucking space. He owns a house. This guy lives in a one bedroom apartment above a bowling alley. That's the point. Like, Homer's an idiot, but he's making it based on the job that he has. But I also think that the Simpsons kind of went away from being like. Let's take the piss out of celebrities and see if they want to be involved with it. To being, do you want to come on our show, please? Like, we'll, we'll make you look really good. And that's what it became. It just became a launching pad for advertising fluff or the latest album or something. The Simpsons became just a just an absolute, you know, um, um, shadow of its former self. And, and is now just a place to... It's basically like a late show. You know, it's about advertising and plugging a celebrity 
by the looks of it. Like it's just. But they also don't have the same scope to make the same amount to make the same kind of jokes they did. Which is which is ridiculous because something like um, Rick and Morty exists, and that for us is it's almost like the Simpsons audience. Rick and Morty, apart from the curse words, if you took all the curse words and all the gratuitous Mm. violence out of Rick and Morty, yes, and the crazy shit that's been happening this season, which I won't spoil you on, Phil, because you haven't Mm -hmm. watched it yet, there's one thing that probably wouldn't even pass on The Simpsons back in the day. Mm. But um, if you take all that stuff out of Rick and Morty, like that high-level stuff, not high-level of intelligence, but high-level of violence and shit... Rick and Morty is essentially what Simpsons used to be. And that's it. It's a Simpsons. The, the Simpsons audience has migrated, I feel like, to Rick and Morty. Because we're looking for the same thing in a show. Yeah. Which was sending up this I, this family dynamic of sorts. But we my don't even point care about that. is the censorship of all of that stuff. The only reason why they do all the curse words is because even with their general story, they wouldn't get the censorship pass that they do now at the seven at the seven o'clock or six o'clock time, whatever mm. Simpsons is on. Because we have actually become more conservative of a culture. I don't agree with it. I don't think we should be. I think we should be going the other way because, you know, some of the things that we have conservative views about are just ridiculous, to mm. be honest. But because of that because because lawsuits are more prevalent now. Like mm. think about, you know, defamation suits, um, the only reason why South Park gets away with the shit that they do is because they have that shitty disclaimer at the beginning. Like, we, we, it's a lot harder for them to produce that content. I'm not defending it. I'm not saying they're good, but like, that needs to be considered. But also, I think the South Park get away with it because South Park have been consistently the same sort of thing um, and pushing the boundaries forever. So therefore, everyone just goes, oh, it's just South Park being South Park. And the Simpsons were getting away with it for a long time because it was the Simpsons being the Simpsons. And then they changed their tune and then, yeah, they softened up a lot. I mean, again, look at the absence of the character like Apu, that they can't even defend their own show. And Apu was the shining example of someone on shows. So, yeah. Um, Anyway, let's. We, we've spoken about The Simpsons a lot. Um, last one on the list was Grey's Anatomy. Basically, don't know shit about it. Um, was just surprised that it's still going. Um, was it ever ever good? I think Bianca thought it was good. Um, but I, from there, I then love I Anatomy, think we should get it has to. Been going on t- hmm. Oh, sorry. We had a massive delay. Then I was just saying I love Grey's Anatomy, and even though it's gone on for far too long, I agree because like most of the cast have let the. Well, actually. All but three of the original casts have left. All the good ones and have left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And all the new casts are hit and miss, really. But um, It's the modern day Bold and the Beautiful, even though the Bold and Beautiful is still going. But that shows for people over the age of 174. Um, anyway, let's get to our um, ending because it's time for our sick end of the week. Uh, and our nomination tonight was somewhat unanimous, mm-hmm. even though a little bit sexist. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not it's sexist because we're not the ones calling it out. They're the ones that called it out. Yep. Well, okay, true. But it is the Pfizer jab. Uh, and <laughs> it's the Pfizer jab because the Pfizer jab are... Uh, there's, a, there's a hidden consequence, a hidden s- side effect of the Pfizer jab. There's and a no, hidden reward. Well, it depends who you are, really, because let's be real, I don't have this issue. Um, 
the 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 Pfizer jab has a hidden symptom of a uh, giving ladies an extra boost in the cleavage. Uh, that's right. They increase your cup size by one to two. Cups, lymph lymph on- node swelling. Yep. Yes, it's lymph node swelling. Um, and it can last a couple of days and ladies are reporting tighter bra sizes after they uh, get the jab. And yep, I'm not comfortable with that because TBH uh, and maybe TMI, I'm already a D cup and I can't afford that. That's just too much. No, I don't want to do that. It's a brilliant side effect anyway, though. I yes. Think. So I think indeed. that Pfizer, you are our sick end of the week for that reason alone. And, uh... <laughs> yeah. I on that bombshell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. On that bombshell. Yeah, it's, uh, it's time to go. But uh, thank you, Drew. Thank you, Bianca. Thank you, Phil. And uh, thank you, audience. Until next week. Yep. <laughs>